started with this SME Neo Bank and continued to be uh, continued to uh, the one is like uh, we created this category uh, properly in India because when we started there was no Neo Banking and continued to lead on the SME segment uh, and we keep on building technologies for example uh, you know apart from providing these automated tools uh, we are uh, creating segment specific offerings for example how can I actually get given influencer a credit card based on the followers and the subscriber likes or for a D2C e-commerce brand connecting their Shopify account and the Amazon account give them an early settlement hi wherever you're listening to us I hope you're staying safe and doing well Welcome to Forbes India's The Startup Fridays show, which is a conversation with accomplished entrepreneurs, VC investors, and other folk who are doing significant work in India's startup ecosystem. You can find a new episode every Friday evening. You can also find us live on Instagram every Friday morning. I'm Hari Arakli, and my guest today is Anish Achutan. He's co-founder and CEO of Open Financial Technologies. Um, which is, uh, as I understand it, one of the largest neobanks serving uh, millions of uh, SME customers uh, today. Um, and Achutan is backed by uh, marquee investors uh, like Google and uh, Temasek um, and is building a very strong portfolio of technologies uh, in the area of banking and financial uh, services. Uh, in his career uh, of two decades plus, Achutan has been a serial entrepreneur uh, I think earlier on in his career, I experimented with uh, some sound-based uh, access uh, to ATMs or uh, people who couldn't uh, do it other ways. Uh, um, we'll hear more about that. Um, and of course, he's uh, also held several senior positions in uh, various payments companies. Achutan, uh, fantastic. You're able to make time for this. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Harry. A uh, pleasure to be on this uh, show and good morning, everyone. All right. So just to uh, get us started, uh, let's start with a simple question. Tell us a bit about uh, Open. Uh, what is it about uh, today? Yeah. So uh, Open is a business banking platform for SMEs. Uh, so basically it provides a, a business checking account along with integrated tools to help small businesses automate their finances like built-in invoicing, built-in account payables, uh, payroll, etc. built into the banking system. So today uh, we have over 2 million plus uh, SMEs uh, currently on the platform. We uh, process over 24 billion US dollars in annualized transactions. We add over 100,000 new businesses every month onto the uh, uh, platform. Mm. When, when, when did you start open or start working on open and at that time uh, what was the idea, what triggered that idea? Yeah, so Open was started in 2017 and uh, primarily the idea behind Open was while I was working in my previous organizations like PayU, Citrus, uh, got a chance to interact with a lot of the small businesses. And one thing which I realized was that business banking is a big challenge for a lot of these entrepreneurs because you have to juggle between multiple dashboards like a separate dashboard for banking, a separate dashboard for invoicing, a separate dashboard for managing your online payments and then tracking cash flows is also a big Pain. And all of this was taking away the time and energy away from entrepreneurs as well as business uh, finance teams. And that's when uh, the idea came up like if we can offer a business banking dashboard wherein uh, it can automatically track every uh, single penny that is coming to your bank account and every money that moves out uh, and also by offering integrated tools like invoicing, receivables, payables, etc. or payroll, uh, then I can automate accounting and finances using a bank account. 
So that's how, and, and the thought was like, can we build a digital bank for SMEs? And now since getting a banking license is nearly impossible, we researched on outside markets like uh, Europe and US, and we found, found that the best way was to take a fintech route and partnering with a bank, leveraging on the bank's license, but build a uh, you know, digital banking service to the businesses. So in, in, in less than four years, uh, you have uh, racked up 2 million plus uh, customers. Uh, give us a sense of uh, that scale of operations of uh, Open Today. I mean, give us a snapshot of uh, you know your reach, uh, your funding, investors, you know, value of transactions. On I think you already mentioned that $24 billion. So yeah, give us a snapshot of your operations. Right. So uh, today uh, we are primarily based out of Bangalore and we are a 550 member team uh, today. And um, uh, in terms of we have raised uh, 137 uh, million US dollars of investment uh, so far in our journey, uh, backed by global investors like Tiger Global, Temasek, Google, Visa. Uh, and uh, eight other private equity uh, funds. And in terms of the business, uh, as I mentioned, like we are 2 million plus uh, businesses on the platform. We keep adding 100,000 new businesses. We manage over 1.5 billion US dollars in current account deposits on the platform. And over a yearly basis, we process 20, 25 billion US dollars in analyzed uh, transactions uh, on the platform. Mm. Uh, walk us through a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, the the role that uh, open plays, uh, I mean, I, I get that uh, you partner with uh, multiple banks, uh, kind of in the back end, and in, in the front you uh, are open to customers who can use your platform to access services from those banks. Uh, so I guess uh, you could also tell us a bit about uh, what the concept of Neo Bank is. Of course, in India, it's a buzzword today and overseas in the advanced markets, I think there are even some listed ones. Uh, yeah, so give us a little bit about uh, why Neobank has become so uh, kind of so much of an interesting uh, idea today. Right. So maybe like I'll uh, uh, probably like you know explain what Neobanking in a very layman's terminology. Uh, right. Uh, so Neobanks are digital banks which most often doesn't have a license. So uh, they, uh, in fact, there are also neobanks with a license, but for this conversation, just let me actually, uh, neobanks, treat a neobank as a digital bank without a license. So they partner with a bank, use the bank's license, but the entire infrastructure, entire product experience or the front-end experience is managed by this uh, neobank. And why did neobank came into existence was because as the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, as the world has moved, uh, more advanced in terms of digital, the preferences of the customers have changed as we all have seen. For example, for millennials, they would actually have require a different kind of an experience from their bank because today they have Netflix, they go to Starbucks, but for banking, they don't really want to go to the same bank where their dad banks with. So that's how uh, you know, initially, this, some of these neobanks came up on the consumer side, especially in markets like US and Europe. Just give a simple example. Uh, uh, one of the neobanks is called Simple. So uh, in the US, which started in early 2000, 2013-14 uh, times. And what they used to offer a checking account for the millennials. And uh, it has got some cool functionalities like you can actually set a spend limit of like, say, 5,000 rupees for a month spend. So every time like, you know, uh, it, it reminds you or if you go to a Starbucks to tell that, okay, uh, you are at a Starbucks 
products but this is don't spend on that sandwich or only spend on that coffee basically or if you are flatmate staying in an apartment it enables you to create a shared account for using that so uh, this is how like initially the neobank started and later a lot of sme focused neobanks also started and today the reason why neobanks exist is because uh, financial institutions are being challenged by their legacy systems like the legacy core banking systems or the internet banking systems today like let's take an example of a, 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 a incumbent in a bank which offers a, a internet banking dashboard it's just a plain vanilla internet banking dashboard with just uh, your balances statements and fund transfer but today a sme or a small business expects more on this dashboard maybe insights of his business receivables or automating their tax etc so that's how neobanks came into existence in different markets as you rightly said in most of in some of there are also listed places and in some of those markets like uh, these are like really take eating the market share of the traditional banks as well mm. and at open uh, give us a sense of the direction in which the company is evolving uh, i mean the little bit of homework that i was able to do i saw that you're really building some strong technology led solutions so give us a sense of uh, the future of open right so uh, we started with uh, we 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 started with this sme neobank and continued to be uh, continued to uh, the one is like uh, we created this category uh, probably in india because when we started there was no neobanking and continued to lead on the sme segment uh, and we keep on building technologies for example uh, you know apart from providing this automated tools uh, we are uh, creating segment specific offerings for example how can i actually get given influencer a credit card based on the followers and the subscriber likes or for a d2c e-commerce brand connecting their shopify account and the amazon account give them an early settlement so these are the kind of like the products which we built on open.money at the same time we also realized that there is a large there is also other opportunities which came on our way for example while we build open a lot of our banking partners because we ended up partnering with our 14 banks in india and these banks started asking us like hey uh, you are partnering with us and distributing our product but we are still being constrained by our legacy core banking system so you built a core banking system for your own op- building open dot money can you expose that as a middleware and so that we can also offer innovative digital banking solutions so today uh, 14 of the leading banks in india all the major ones are in the process of launching their own digital banking solutions or neo banks on top of our uh, uh, core platform and we separated this as a separate business unit called banking stack and even we have like deployments going on in uh, philippines and uh, middle east and vietnam as we speak and uh, while we while while this happened uh, we also saw a lot of fintechs and even corporates approaching us saying that we want to embed financial services into my existing app for example an fmcg company uh, approaching us saying that we want to issue a credit card under our brand name to the supply chain basically or um, uh, you know cab driving company saying that we wanted to offer a branded savings account to the cab drivers basically so and uh, they say that okay dealing with the banks it takes around 12 to 15 months to go live but you already have built this infrastructure and the connections so can we expose this infrastructure to us so that's how we created a third unit called zwitch which is an embedded finance unit which enables fintechs uh, so for example to today fintechs like uh, fedo which is building a health savings account they we power their savings account and their card issuance part of it uh, so there's like a, a 
currently uh, we power a lot of fintechs and non-fintechs to uh, build innovative fintech services using this Zuch Rails. And we also realized that uh, while most of this uh, fintechs are uh, they are tech friendly or developer savvy enough to build on it there are also a long tail of businesses who are not that tech savvy but wanted to embed financial services so we created a no code do it yourself platform for for example a youtuber called travelista he has got half a million followers on youtube and he normally goes outside india and shows his followers uh, he goes to different locations so he's now creating a uh, forex card for his followers using the switch platform so it's like within five minutes you just create your card design you just uh, uh, generate your android app uh, so we creating we, in switch we also have a do-it-yourself platform so this is a kind of like technologies that we are we are working across on this three business lines i mean to me uh, as a layperson i was thinking uh, if you're enabling uh, traditional banks with the same kind of uh, nimble uh, abilities uh, to reach uh, their customers on uh, on the digital front uh, is there a tension between uh, those banks becoming uh, you know uh, competitors uh, to some of the services that you started with right so uh, we had this internal uh, debates always like whether the uh, you know the banking stack vertical as we call it uh, would they cannibalize our direct to sme uh, business but we also realized that there are two aspects to it on one side yes uh, you know uh, there could be slight overlaps and when we did with the one of the leading banks uh, two years back with this experiments what we realized was that they were able to sell this to their existing customer base increase their deposit base by over three times increase the transaction value and increase the wallet share and it didn't really impact us we also kept on growing so it's not that technology alone will decide the winner in this market because there it's it's like it's like this today you have google pay and phone pay but and every bank also has a upa app on their uh, this thing but consumers too would still prefer a non-bank app to pay for that qr code on a shop right so similarly in the digital banking world we believe that uh, it's necessary for banks to do this because they can't survive with a plain vanilla internet banking offering so that's where we come in now Ability to market to the customers, it depends on banks to bank. And we do believe in every market, there will be two, three incumbent banks which will uh, really lead it. For example, in case of an SBI, you know, they're really beautifully executed and like taking on the fintechs on the consumer neo-banking side. So uh, we don't really see that this is like a, it will cannibalize this business. And for us, the larger opportunity is also outside India, where rather than open dot money, banking stack becomes a piece. That's the reason why we had expanded through markets like Southeast Asia and Middle East and with partners like uh, Visa and Google helping us basically. Tell us a bit more about that. Uh, what is the opportunity for, I mean, I get that, uh, you know, it's a sophisticated piece of technology. Therefore, there must definitely be customers around the world who are looking to make the transition to the digital era and, and there's Web3 coming and things like that. Uh, tell us a bit about what you're thinking right. is, what you're seeing as the opportunity. Right. So what we're seeing is that today, if you really look at it, like the incumbent banks or the traditional banks are being challenged by different fintechs for example place like us on the sme neobanking side there could be consumer neobanks like the n26 equivalents or on the card issuance side you have seen the likes of the new fintechs eating away the market share and banks had the balance sheet they have the ability or they have the aspiration to compete with them their biggest roadblock is the traditional 
either the core banking systems or the legacy tech or many cases uh, you know the tech has been outsourced basically so they're not able to catch up with this players in terms of the product experience because a lot of this fintechs has got good product managers or they have like you know a lot of focus on the user experience part of it that's where we come in because we have the experience of like building an open dot money so we are, we are telling banks that okay uh, transform your existing internet banking platform or replace with a modern SME banking solution which has got integrated accounting, payroll, banking, uh, you know, ability to connect with third-party solutions or helping the banks to launch specific variants of current accounts for different segments. For example, creating an influencer current account for influencers where they give you a credit line based on the, uh, by connecting your YouTube account or your followers data basically. Or for the D2C segment, creating a D2C focused current account, uh, allowing you to offer revenue-based financing by connecting your Shopify account or like your payment gateways. And that itself is a, opening as a new opportunity. So within three, four months, we can transform their existing legacy core banking system by deploying our middleware to launch innovative products. And these products are also built in so it's matter about matter of about customizing and that's the real opportunity we see because we don't see too many players offering this as a bundle solution to banks today so we are actually help it's a fintech always for banks to help them compete with uh, rather than compete is a, not the right word to use but help them build modern digital banking solutions which is relevant for today's customers and uh, on the core uh, business that you started with uh, with the small small businesses micro enterprises um, given that you know you're, I guess, a sort of a cloud-native business, and uh, you'd be very comfortable with uh, data analytics and things like that. So, uh, does that make it uh, easier for uh, small businesses to get better loans, uh, you know, that are more relevant to their circumstances uh, through a company right. like Open? Right. So uh, today, the biggest challenge uh, for uh, even financial institutions or NBFCs or anybody to lend to these customers is the they rely a lot on the traditional data like the bureau scores or the bank statements. But for a platform like Open, the biggest advantage for us is that we get access to a lot of data like their account receivables data, their payables data, uh, their uh, statements from their multiple other bank accounts, the frequency in which they receive payment from their customers, the frequency in which they pay uh, to their vendors, uh, their GST data, the TDS data, everything. So combining this with traditional uh, underwriting methods, we are able to create tailor-made lending products. So some of those examples, as I mentioned, was like, even was uh, 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 segment-specific examples, for example, a D2C e-commerce, revenue-based financing, or we recently launched a pay-later product for SMEs, basically, wherein we underwrite. So definitely, these data helps our part, along with our partners and VFCs or banks to create a more tailor-made product. And the other advantage is also that the comfort also is that after the loan is given, we also know like how the loan is being uh, utilized in the sense like you know for example if the customer payments were delayed which means like that's a signal that this can go to an NPA basically so even before an NPA we can actually control action so there's like a this data definitely adds a uh, uh, this is a real key uh, you know USP of the platform in terms of serving this SME is better for us. Mm. So you've uh, also made uh, an acquisition on the consumer uh, digital banking front I think in, in um, so if you look at all of these things together, all the different things that you're doing uh, and look at it together in the, I don't know, three years, five years horizon, uh, do you see Open becoming much more of a pure technology company? What is your thinking on that? Right. 
So uh, the direction which we are uh, moving is like we always believe that uh, we need to be a technology focused product first uh, company rather than like becoming like a, a bank or a regulated bank basically because these two are like at least in our view uh, it's too uh, it's too different and our objective is to become like um, a global uh, digital banking enterprise on one side we serve SMEs directly other side we provide financial institutions or power uh, fintechs using like a common uh, uh, digital banking platform so that's what the vision in which we are working towards and we do believe that we need to be always known as a financial technology enterprise rather than like a you know a bank hmm. fair enough uh, let, let's go back some 20 odd years uh, Tell us a bit about what got you interested in technology in the first place and then over the years in financial technology. So uh, I got uh, probably introduced to emails when I was probably in my uh, ninth standard and uh, at the time at least the place where I grew up we didn't had a internet cafe and uh, once I went to uh, probably a, a place which is 300 kilometers away that's the first time that I got introduced to the email and I was more interviewed about what does this internet is all about? And by the uh, by 10th or 11th, I created my first website. I learned HTML. Uh, so that's how the technology got interested. And I have I've been an avid newspaper reader basically right from my second standard and third standard onwards. So uh, uh, you know uh, I got. Uh, somehow like you know I also got to know more about like what's happening in the US especially in the 2000-2001 uh, times the dot-com bubble was happening uh, I got introduced to the things called venture capitalism and startups where one of the newspapers on their Sunday supplement they ran a story about Sabir Bhatia so that influenced me saying that okay hey, you don't need to bond with real I mean money you can if you have an idea there are ways in which you can probably get capital and build businesses uh, so that's how probably the biggest I would say the I mean influence basically or how, that's how I got more interested in technology otherwise I always wanted to be a journalist okay where, where, where did you grow up where were you born where did you grow up I grew up in a town called uh, Perindalmanna this is part of Malapram district uh, in Kerala so that's where I had grown up all right. And, and uh, where did you go to college? What did you study in college? Yeah. So basically, since like I got very early, I got uh, introduced to this dot-com thing. I just uh, dropped out to do my first dot-com startup, which I ran, ran from 2001 to 2005. And uh, that's how my journey started, basically. What was that about? What was that startup about? So uh, it's called IndiaFirst.net. It was more like a redif of that times. So basically, we were offering like a news portal. It has got an email service and things like that, which ran from 2001 to 2005. Mm. And since then, you've built uh, multiple startups. Uh, tell us about some of the uh, uh, really interesting things that you did uh, with these startups. Uh, tell us also about a couple of those startups. Right. So in uh, 2007, I built uh, CashNext, which is basically... Um, uh, mobile payment startup which uh, use which uses uh, sound encryption to turn your Kirana store into a bank, bank branch where using a feature phone you can actually go there do do a transactions uh, and all you have to do is like both the consumer and the merchant basically they have to dial an IVR number uh, there is a high pitch sound that comes up you have to bring the two phones closer basically that is authentication mechanism the objective was to solve for the financial question problem to help uh, you know the uh, people who don't the unbanked get access to bank account and things like that so that is one of the things which uh, started even though we couldn't do much in India because of the regulatory challenges at that point of time uh, later this was uh, sold to a Latin American company then post that uh, in 2009 did a NFC 
issue in startup or uh, the particular technology called near field contactless technology basically uh, enable uh, so we created a platform for financial institutions and telcos to issue debit cards and credit cards to this nfc phones but the thing was like this was very ahead of its time basically the less than one percent of the phones have that thing so there's also a learning that okay don't follow this market research reports basically alone to build your business models uh, the other interesting thing which we did was in 2013 did a developer focused payment gateway and when I uh, then the other part was while I was part of Citrus I created a platform called selfie enabling these homepreneurs on Facebook and Instagram to sell and manage their uh, sales using buy buttons and things like that so these are a few of the things which you know at least you know, give me the satisfaction of like you know building as a product guy how did you uh, teach yourself everything that you needed to know I mean what were the your biggest sources and tricks and give us some tips and what what are some of the advantages of you know being able to learn things on your own rather than go through some structured form of a college and things like that right so i think a uh, lot of things which has influenced me probably was uh, you know i got accidentally introduced to reading newspapers i told from my second standard because for me uh, i was always like uh, if I had to eat food, I need to read something. So it was always like the Amar Chitrakata equivalence. But then the story would finish off. But I should need to, if I had to have food, I need to read something. So that's when uh, I started reading newspapers. Initially, it was sports. But then you read business because you need to eat food, right? So automatically, that lead to a lot of, uh, give you a lot of perception on how uh, the world things or the consumers things or what's happening or then you started focusing more on advertisements or like you know how people actually what's the psychology behind the copy the copy which has been shown on the ads etc and over a period of time especially after the internet came in uh, you know you get a lo lot more avenues to keep researching so i think uh, uh, always like you know uh, staying what you call hungry for like uh, you know, uh, uh, the passion of like, you know, to understand new things, especially on the technology or what's happening around the world, uh, uh, what companies are doing, especially in other markets like Europe and the US. Uh, that's something which is always like, I always like, for example, Neobanks itself had been following from 2013 onwards, basically. So most of the things, if earlier it's something was happening in Europe or US after five, six years, it becomes relevant to India. Now it has changed a lot, basically. So those things. And the other part was like over your failures, basically, especially uh, I would not say it has failures because I don't believe in uh, failures or I do believe everything as an experience whether it is whether you can call it as a failure or success but those experiences teach you basically uh, and also uh, probably over the period of time working with companies like uh, PayU or Citrus uh, or on mobile uh, to meeting with your peers basically and then obviously over a period of time you grow with the people which you are you know, today, yeah, like your colleagues and uh, all of those things are together is what I do believe that, which is, you know, at least, you know, uh, keeping me to, you know, uh, uh, you know, keep updated on this uh, things which is happening or the ability to uh, innovate. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, very uh, important, right? I mean, most of the founders that I get a chance to uh, talk to on, on this platform and generally when I speak to them, they all uh, say that uh, in India, even now, uh, uh, failure is not something that people are comfortable with. Uh, so give us a couple of examples of uh, when you look back, things that didn't work out, but like you said, you learned a lot from them. Right. Uh, so, uh, the, one of the things which I mentioned, for example, the NFC startup which uh, launched in uh, 2009, it was all 
based on, for example, there was like uh, the visa at that point of time investing half a billion US dollars, sorry, 500 million US dollars into contactless payments. Mastercard was investing heavily. There was like uh, reports from Gartner basically that this is going to be a $5 billion industry. Telcos were doing pilot. So probably without looking at the real customer need of the market, uh, you know, you just launched a product that is like 70 member team and we had to shut down after a year basically, right? So that is probably an example of like, uh, while uh, you think about an idea and mostly entrepreneurs always have this thing of like, we get very excited with this idea and we like find it very difficult to move out of uh, this uh, idea. Uh, so it's important also to, uh, and what is a real need if this is a solving a real customer pain point too. Uh, I, I'm not a big, big believer again of saying that, okay, you should always go and ask your customers what you need because that will not get you that thing, but you need to have a balanced approach to figure out like what the customers need, etc. The other part was also that uh, at uh, uh, every stage of a company, depending on the stage of the company, you need to, uh, because there is no right or wrong people when in terms of hiring basically. But the thing is like every stage of a company requires a different set of a skill set. For example, if you are like getting started and probably if you try to bring in like somebody who has like 20 years of experience, maybe it may not work well, not because that person is bad or you are bad basically. But the same person may be required when you are at a, at a stage where you have like a 200 plus employees or 300 plus employees. So those are like, you know, small, small examples of like what we have actually uh, learned. Uh, also, don't build for investors basically the products build for your customers uh, and sec other important thing is that you need to be convinced about your product just because there is a market opportunity and you try to if you're not passionate about that product for yourself i do feel that it will not scale to that extent so these are like few things which probably like you know i would look from those uh, experiences mm. so i guess uh, that would have helped you in avoiding uh, some serious pitfalls when you started building open uh, so if you look back, uh, give us a sense of some of the bigger, biggest uh, lessons that you learned that, that went into uh, building open differently from the way you built your previous startups. Right. Uh, so uh, in, in lot ways, open was also a little different. Probably at open when I started, there was uh, already a set of angel investors, which is already there even before the company got incorporated, which is... Amrish Rao of Pine Labs and Jiden of Jupiter, who are my previous bosses in uh, Citrus. But uh, that's also another thing. When I when my company got acquired by Citrus, uh, both of them told that whenever you start yourself, start your next startup, we will be there to back you up. But give that two years for Citrus, basically. And uh, I also did that thing. So many times, like you know, working together with. Uh, two leaders basically uh, like Amrish and Jidain and Citrus uh, how do you raise funds basically they were actually given me the freedom to actually interact with their own investors like Sequoia or other peoples at that point of time so those were things which comes handy when we were actually building open apart from the initial check but then uh, being part of like a leadership of these companies on how do you actually deal with investors how do you actually look at hiring basically uh, from each stage of the company you can need a different set of hirings so uh, those things were there and the other part was like uh, the learnings from your previous experiences in terms of like what kind of people you will really need at different stages of the company how do you actually like uh, look at like uh, focus more on the uh, product and the consumers rather than worrying about just raising funds alone basically so those fundamentals uh, how do you actually like ensure building the thought leadership and again uh, using uh, tools even for acquiring customers uh, organically basically so those of lot of those things come handy from the previous experiences of either starting up or working in uh, those companies yeah i guess i mean to my mind uh, what you've been talking about uh, to put it another way uh, 
uh, you're talking about building uh, the culture of a company uh, in many ways. So you are a 500 plus employee company now at Open. Uh, so tell us about uh, the kind of culture that you are attempting to build at Open. Right. So uh, culture, I do believe, is like, uh, you know, it's a it's not something which you can actually explain in our uh, one sentence, but I'll actually try to attempt it because for us, this is one of the core component of open basically in all my hiring discussions out of two hours maybe one and a half hours actually I talk spend on that part of it because when we started open we sat together and we looked at what kind of a company that we really wanted to build uh, because we also looked at some of the previous companies for example Citrus had a good culture like you know if I miss out if I don't go to uh, office every day because there is actually a fun environment people are like family so the positive vibe and the empathy and humanity are one part which Personally, uh, not only me, but the founders and the initial set of people which we started, uh, we uh, we really uh, looked at. The other part was like, you know, uh, so in terms of a culture, I would say like, you know, there is a lot of empathy, there's a lot of humanity, 20 to 30% of the workforce are uh, people who are not considered to be employable by other companies, basically, but we had maybe that taken breaks, basically, after for five years, 10 years, for various reasons, basically, but we trained them and we found that, okay, these people are actually become like superstars basically when, when given an opportunity uh, we don't take people who don't so we basically created a college campus wherein there's a lot of happiness there's a lot of vibe a lot of empathy whether the person who's actually taking care of the uh, you know your um, washrooms or the person who's serving tea or the person who's like a senior everybody's treated equally we should not do anything which actually creates them of an iota of feeling that okay you know i'm this or the thing or don't judge people based on it or even we don't like people who, if it's out at a Swiggy or a Zomato delivery boy, I mean, that's actually a no for us, basically. So these are the type of, so for us, once you are inside the reception, whether you're 20 years experience, whether you're fresher, it doesn't matter. And the same time, how do you actually empower each other? How do you create the feeling of a family? Because once you are created that feeling, one is like, you will feel like you need to, it's like easy to go to office because you have the positive vibes, you feel like a family and whatever it is like, whether you are struggling on the business front or the product and when you all have the people along with you, then it moves basically. And you don't really get opportunities to to build startups like very this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity at least for me and I really wanted to ensure that okay all the openers at some point of time they should cherish that okay you know I used to work for a company like this uh, in my career and this is what it was different basically so we don't do things just for the sake of publicity like from a, uh, for example uh, we have a dedicated team for the culture part of it but we don't really believe in always talking about that just because we, we are seeing like major majorly and this is like a biggest uh, and what I really personally never liked was like, you know, uh, many times like HR creates culture as like a forced activity, basically. I do this, a woman's day celebration, things like that. So here it's part of our DNA. We try to behave like what we are at home, basically, and the people also like how we actually treat the family. And it is working well. Obviously, as you scale from uh, 100 to 500, you know, sometimes it becomes like very difficult. And that's also some of the biggest worries when I actually go back to bed every day. How do I now? Because... Uh, uh, I am a person who under, uh, who actually talks to everyone basically but then after 150 to 500 sometimes I see people and if I don't able to recognize them I feel bad I mean so this is just like a uh, you know view of I mean a snapshot of like or, or view of like how the culture at open is yeah I mean you had senior positions in citrus uh, you've been an entrepreneur all your life and you mentioned earlier how entrepreneurs can 
tend to obsess over their products and their ideas and so on so uh, what are some of the things that you had to consciously unlearn uh, as you you know became more of a, a ceo of a, a growing larger company right uh, so a uh, few of the things we have to unlearn is like maybe you are sometimes like very obsessed or passionate about certain things but if you really don't uh, delegate basically uh, you know it sometimes can be like you know work against you basically uh, so uh, how do you actually delegate things and secondly like you know you have to actually look at like multiple uh aspects so because probably in er- earlier roles you would be focused on a specific verticals like maybe a business head or a product head but here you have to actually look at like a different other aspects of the things basically so some of the uh thing one of the things i would always uh, at least for me to unlearn was like you know uh how do we actually delegate these things and also uh ensuring that okay like uh, uh you build it's not about unlearning but the thing was like how do you actually build the next set of leaders basically because after one or two years of your company your your time gets very limited because you spend a lot of your time maybe on fundraising or other things basically so it's next set of leaders which will actually take it i don't say it was an unlearning but there is some of the learnings which probably in open which uh, which also i have uh, i uh, you know probably which uh, over the last four years hmm. i was in fact thinking that you know Uh, as ceo you are the face of the company you have to worry about things like uh, compliance uh, uh, you know uh, making meeting expectations of your investors and so on so to that extent i would imagine that uh, the the pure entrepreneurial thrill of building a product you may have to you know accept that you'll have less time for that so how do you deal with that do you miss that i think i don't miss that it's all about like getting the right set of people so i think uh, for uh, the most important thing is getting the right kind of uh, uh, people to for example uh, pro- probably like you know or grooming the next set of leaders basically so many times like i do believe that because of the structured manner in which uh, you know uh, today systems is there uh, you know many times like you know uh, there is a lot of difference between entrepreneurs as well as the non entrepreneurs so how do you actually give that so we have actually for uh, created small micro startups within the organization in fact some of these divisions which i mentioned actually came up with as an idea and then we put like 20 30 of them and say okay you build this as like a startup and this will only come as uh, this thing so these are the ways in which like you, know, you can actually solve for those parts and it's very important that you should actually do at very early stage in the company mm. do, you, do you do you still actively uh, get involved in uh, uh coding and you know product design and things like that uh uh coding no but in terms of product design yes i'm involved uh, you know very heavily into the products because at, at at least you know that also gives me uh you know an update on like or insights on like you know what's happening globally and are we actually on this thing so it's most mostly from a passion perspective uh just i not only from products but from the marketing and other things basically i try to you know always like a hands on operator is what uh you know i would define myself mm. i mean looking forward uh, to you what would you say are some of your biggest challenges both for you personally uh, because everyone says that you know being an entrepreneur and a founder while the all the money and the success is very glamorous the the hard toil can really uh, you know take a toil on you and your family so personally what are your biggest challenges and as a business what are your biggest challenges right uh so personally the biggest challenge i would say uh is fortunately or unfortunately my 
uh, out of the four founders, the three founders are family members. So my uh, wife Mabel, she is the uh, CEO and uh, she heads the marketing function. She's my co-founder. So and Ajish, and this is the fourth startup we are doing together. We also been working together in companies like all three of them work together in Citrus and PayU as well. So it's been like last 10, 12 years we had been like together working in different companies and doing it. Uh, and what also this means is like around 90% of the time or 95% of the time you end up talking about business uh, or uh, talk about open or talking about your fintech industry in general the thing so that is one thing which uh, probably like i would not say it's a challenge basically but that is these are things where we you know now we are actually over a period of time basically trying to actually limit things basically trying to find time for yourself and all so uh, but in a way this is also good because uh, many times you find entrepreneurs are very long uh, lonely but here the four founders even the you now uh, four of us basically uh, there is also a lot of support system basically when you are actually you know when you are actually stuck somewhere basically whether it is personal or professional as well so it, it has got more pros than the cons basically on that side but um, uh, personal challenges I would say is like yes as you uh, as the company keeps growing uh, the number of the time that you have for uh, yourself or for your hobbies to pursue your hobbies or maybe sometimes for the families that is like a bigger thing which you need to figure out but I feel like there are ways in which you can actually manage all of those things it's not that people have not done that it's about more realizing those things and taking those measures in terms of the uh, open from a business perspective uh, our biggest challenge has always been earlier was about convincing banks that okay there is something called like Neo banking, uh, you know, uh, uh, how can it add value? Why should you partner with me, etc. But somehow we are able to uh, solve for that in the last, in the first two years itself, because we have all the major banks as partners. But going forward, what we are also seeing is like a lot of impactors can impact us. For example, how does the regulator looks at some of these things, basically? But we always have a very positive outlook on the regulator. Most of the things has always been supportive. The second part is like, uh, you know the uh, hiring is going to be definitely one of the bigger challenge so we need to look at like creative ways in which you can actually solve for uh, that part and the third uh, part is like uh, the entry barriers are getting reduced in the financial services space because typically if you look at few years back it was only very few privileged companies which get access to a bank for building something or partnering but today every bank or every there are multiple ways in which uh, you can build a fintech service basically so which means like you need to keep on that you can have more complex on each of the verticals you operate basically and you maybe sometimes these players are going to win that so those ch challenges will definitely be there in the business mm. one question i uh, forgot to ask you earlier on when we were talking about your growth opportunities ahead for the business uh, today as you know uh, the whole crypto and web3 uh, scene is uh, becoming really hot so do you see an opportunity there for open uh, at this point of time, uh, because one from the uh, since we work with a lot of regulated banks and regulated entities in India and because of the regulators view, we have not taken a stand on crypto and things like that. But having said that, you know, this is like the Internet in 2000s, right? You know, uh, we may we can always say that, OK, you know, this will not scale or like this. But the next generation of the people, when they come up, even whether it is in the governments or the regulations or all of the, who are actually seen with the crypto and other things. So uh, if we ignore these segments, then definitely you will not be able to innovate like the examples of the Nokia's and all. So while at this point of time, we don't have a practice or a product on the crypto, that is something which definitely we are closely observing 
observing and trying to learn for ourselves on what's really happening and things like that. Hmm. Uh, one brief question and then after that a few questions like a rapid fire round. Uh, so far, uh, are there one or two uh, uh, achievements uh, that you're really proud of or which you look at as big milestones uh, in your career or even in uh, open Right. I think uh, the first one I would say like uh, at least building open, especially building a, a neobanking service uh, at a time when there was nothing like neobanking existed in Asia. So creating a category as well as like, you know, uh, whatever we have actually built with open so far is definitely my, at least I consider as the biggest highs for me at when, uh, when I do. Uh, in terms of the uh, other things, maybe uh, like, you know, uh, maybe... Uh, Previously, like, you know, creating uh, products like uh, the NSDT-based uh, mobile payment system, the sound encryption basing. That's the first thing which actually got me to a lot of attention in terms of New York Times data story that lead to more financial institutions knowing about it. Or maybe that's gave me a break in my career. So these are like the two things probably I can point out. All right. So a few questions. Uh, answer them in short sentences. Don't think too much about them. Uh, first one is... Uh, is there one habit, uh, first thing every day, that sets you up for the rest of the day? Yeah, so after I wake up, I have to walk for 7 to 8 kilometers every day. So that's something which I don't uh, try to miss. Okay. Uh, is there one piece of advice that you did not get in your career or did not get early enough? Nobody told me to start up. Everybody wanted me to work. Hmm. Okay. Uh, one person that you look up to? Uh, it's uh, Amrish Rao, the currency of uh, Pine Labs. All right. Um, you already said you read, you you know, spent plenty of time reading and reading newspapers and so on. So if you like reading books, uh, one book that you would like to recommend? Uh, the Power of Subconscious Mind. Okay. Uh, it's a book that I love as well. Uh, and uh, a city that you would love to live in. Last question. It's Bangalore and Bangalore always. Excellent. Uh, wonderful uh, conversation, Anish. Thank you again uh, for making time for this and definitely look forward to keeping the conversation going. Thanks, Harry. Have a great day. All right. So that was uh, Anish Achutan, uh, co-founder and CEO of Open Financial Technologies. That's it for this week's Startup Fridays. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, uh, wherever you are, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Have a great Friday and a wonderful weekend ahead. 